Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark. It's the end of the year. And so who better to talk about the end of the year, especially a COVID year, than Jay Fisk. Welcome, Jay. Hi there, Heather. The end of the year, the end of time. It feels like it's the end of time after 2020. Do you know, do you really feel that way? You know, I mean, I sit there and I go, wow, it's been a rugged year. But then I think when you look globally, I mean, is it really? I mean, if this is the worst we ever have to get through, oh, this I'm not no, this is for, so bad. This, this this is a bad year for weaklings, you know. For, <laughs> for, for if 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 you're tough, this wasn't that bad of a year. I knew it was going to be a bad year, though. On New Year's Eve last year, I had, had it all planned out. Went to the Columbia Tower Club for a New Year's Eve party. Spent way too much money on renting a costume for a, for a Roaring Twenties uh, theme. Spent way too much money on on the tickets, but also that we could watch the fireworks display from the 75th floor, three separate fireworks displays looking down on them. And uh, midnight came and there was no fireworks because it was so windy, all the fireworks displays got canceled around town. So it was, a you know, 2020 well, came in with a, with a big, with a major bust. It should have been an omen that it was not going to be a good year. Well, this year you just kind of got some fancy show uh they weren't real um, um fireworks at all but it was interesting did you watch those uh, a lot of people watched those i never stay up till that late anymore but anyway i wanted to talk about yes some of the um major folks that left us this year oh. you know we all do this on on new year's uh shows first of the new year show and there were some remarkable people um that that uh left us in 2020 and for various reasons, and um, you're pretty you're pretty smart about the sports ones. I'm not that smart about the sports ones, but the one that I think was on everybody's mind and got a lot of publicity was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice oh, Ruth yeah. Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. She uh, um, had a very long and productive life. Um, Sean Connery was another one that right. passed the 007. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Kind of sad to see that. Alex Trebek. Yes, yes. Um, Chuck Yeager. And you met him. You said you met him. I did. I, he was my childhood. Uh, he, he was my, my childhood hero growing up. I always admired him because he was the first person to break the sound barrier. And um, I had always wanted to meet him. And then late, late in life, I met him at a charity auction uh, and had a chance to hang out with him in the VIP room for quite some time. And Actually, on my shelf uh, in my my office, I have uh, in a replica of the X1 uh, plane he flew with his uh, autograph on the wing. So I'm kind of proud of that. Nice man. Yeah, yeah. So many of these people are nice when you get a chance to meet them in person. Um, some of them are stinkers, but most of them are just nice people. Even though they have been very noted, very prominent, uh, they're just nice folks. You know. Um, it it uh, it it is interesting. You know, I you may or may not re recall that I grew up in Beverly Hills and went to Beverly Hills High School. So, I had a chance to hang out with a lot of the kids of um, of the famous, you know, the 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 famous and the wealthy in Beverly Hills. And it always just amazed me that when you saw them outside of the entertainment industry and they were just sort of hanging out in their kitchen or their living room, they were just you know mom and dad hanging out in the kitchen. Yeah, or the living room. It was yeah. It was pretty. You know, it was, it, I remember one was one time I was over at uh, Rob Reiner's house. Uh, we, you know, we used to BS a little bit in in uh, in high school, and you know, in walked uh, Carl Reiner, and you know, in his in his uh, undershirt and in shorts, and hey, how you guys doing? I'm I don't don't mind me. I'm just thirsty. I'm going to get something out of the fridge. You know, I mean, it was just like <laughs> very casual. Carl uh, Carl Reiner passed away this year. I was kind of sad to see that. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, you know, I don't remember him as a young person, uh, but you know, obviously his son Rob became famous too for being yeah. meathead on the, that TV show. Um, what was it called? The All in the Family. What was that TV show called? All in the, All in the Family. family. Yeah. 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 Was, yeah, yeah. So Carl Reiner. Well, Carl Reiner was the played the 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 writer. Uh, on um, on the uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, with uh, Mary uh, White, with, Betty White, and... with with um, Anne Marie and uh, Dick. Dick uh, no, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry, not the Mary Tyler Moore show. I'm I'm backwards on that. That's see, I had a great memory, but it's short. No, the Dick Van Dyke show. The Dick Van Dyke show. He was the he was the writer on the Dick Van. 
and that was oh. with um, that was with uh, Anne Marie and uh, and Maury Amsterdam and and Dick Van Dyke and and Carl Reiner. They were the the cast yeah. on there. Wow! So that's well, his claim to fame back in those days. But then he became, of course, a, a famous writer and director and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, you were talking more about some of the movie stars and everything. There were also some famous authors and musicians. John Le Carre, who wrote uh, wow. this who came in from the cold and a number of uh, novels that were very, very that's popular. Right. He passed away this year. Yeah. Uh, so most people have read at least one of his works. But the sports figures, now help me with these, because I know Joe Morgan, Whitey Joe Morgan, Ford. Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, Cincinnati Reds uh, ball player. Yeah, played uh, long, alongside uh, Johnny Bench and some of the other famous Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. Okay. What about Whitey Ford? I've heard that name. Whitey Ford, New York Yankees. New York Yankees from the 50s and early 60s. Johnny Nash. Also a sports figure, I guess. Johnny Nash, Johnny Nash, uh, singer. I thought he was a singer. Oh, is he a singer? Yeah, I think okay. he was a singer or a songwriter. One or the other. A singer. Okay. Well, I have him down. I thought he was in the. I, I have him in gonna, the. I didn't know we were going to do trivia. This is great. Yeah, they're keeping up. <laughs> well, I'm just sitting here wondering how now how many. Do you always remember your kids' birthdays as well as you're remembering this? <laughs> Let me see how many I could do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got another one for you, but I remember this one. Eddie Van Halen. Oh, yeah. Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And he was, uh, he wasn't he uh, married to uh, uh, Valerie, Valerie Bertinelli? Yes. Who has now made a second career in on the Food Network doing all sorts yeah, of cooking right. and shows on there, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I think that they had a son together. And the son's name was something, I don't remember what it was. It was something really odd, like, Morgan Stern or so, something. Then the son's name was be. odd name. What about Bob Gibson? Bob Gibson, pitcher for the uh, St. Louis uh, Cardinals. Look at you go. <laughs> he passed away this year. Yeah. Um, let's see. Gail Sayers? Gail Sayers uh, from... Uh, Chicago, Chicago Bears uh, running back. Yeah, very, very famous. Uh, in fact, the uh, NFL has a the Gail Sayers uh, Award. I think there's a Gail Sayers Award. I mean, I may be confusing with Walter Payton Award, but there's. I thought there was an award named after uh, Gail Sayers, but I, uh, I, I could be wrong. It was probably Walter Payton. Never mind. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. But 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 definitely Chicago Bears. Yeah. How do you do? You follow all these teams that no. you know all these teams? Or? No, I just I just have a lot of room in my brain, uh, you know. I don't do much. Memory is short. Yes, <laughs> I have, there's a lot of room in there because I don't do a lot with it. So there are things just sitting there. <laughs> okay, well I'm going to throw another one at you, Lou Brock. Lou Brock, yeah, Lou Brock. Uh, also, um, oh boy, it was he was Cincinnati Reds also. Do they still have the Cincinnati Reds? I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure they do. You don't hear about him very much. No. What about Tom Seaver? Tom Seaver is a pitcher for the New York, the Miracle Mets, uh, way way back when, when they won the World Series in 1963. Wow. Well, okay. I think I think that's about all of the sports figures that I have on my list. All right. But then we can move into some of the movie stars. Okay. Well, what about Tommy DeVito? Is he sports? Uh, no, uh, he was uh, in a band. Uh, he was uh, he was a singer. Oh, okay. All right. See, I don't know the difference between them. I just look at them and I'm going, okay. <laughs> that one, I recognize that name. Okay. How, how many, how many uh, notable deaths were there in uh, 2020? You know, that year is done. Well, I'm looking at the CBS News list, and the CBS News list has 145. I'm sure that there are probably other lists that have more or more fewer um, because obviously more than 145 people died in 20, uh, 2020. Yeah. But these ones that they, um, I think they're, they're, you can go to other websites and they'll have just movie stars or just sports figures or whatever. But CBS News always seems to have kind of a well-rounded list. And so that was my cheat sheet for this year for this well, conversation. I'm glad I didn't make that list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> because you I think the, the, the best commentary was was one made by, uh, uh, I think it was um, George Burns when he said, if I had known, I think it was on his 100th birthday or 99th birthday, he said, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. 
which I yeah, which yeah. I don't. Do you feel that way? I mean, seriously, you take good care of yourself, though. I, I got a ways. I got a ways to go to catch up to uh, to George Burns. I, I, well, I'm not implying that you're kind of nipping at his heels, but um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about Brian Donahue. Uh, Brian. Remember Brian Dennehy? You mean? Dennehy, yeah, he's right. he's yeah, a very famous actor. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, he was he was. Uh, I used to really love watching him. He was in a lot of stuff. I mean, a ton of stuff. Brian, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, from from shows when you, I mean, even when you were a kid, you know, he was he was in those shows. Yeah. And I always had my my heart soft spot for these men that played kind of like the paternal or gentle kind of guys. You right, know? he was one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, always, always. Okay, I this one might. Oh no, you know who this one is? We were talking about Sean um, Connery. Yeah. What Honor Blackman? One Honor of Blackman. the. Yeah, the the Bond girl. She was. Uh, she played Pussy Galore in Goldfinger. She was the. Uh, she was the pilot that uh, was his. Uh, was was his uh, love interest in Goldfinger, and ended up uh, being the one that uh, ran uh, uh, the 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 flying detachment of the. The girls, all the the female aviators that were going to uh, help break into into Fort Knox, if you remember the the Goldfinger theme. Actually, I don't remember it. You don't remember? I really great. No. You should watch it. Yeah, Goldfinger. Okay. Yeah, I'll call it up and I'll watch it. Um, let's talk about some musicians who are no longer with us. Trini Lopez. Trini Lopez. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. He used to. Good guitarist and you know the 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 Latin sound. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, very popular. I think like in the sixties and seventies, wasn't he? Yeah, he, was, he, he. I think there he had a, he did albums like Live at the Whiskey a Go Go. He trained Live at the Whiskey a Go Go and Live at the mm -hmm. at Troubadour and all those hot spots back in Southern California a long time ago. Yeah. How about um, oh, this one I'm going to miss, Fred Willard. Fred Willard. Yeah, an actor who does a comedian, and he just had such a, a calm, sincere demeanor, but funny as all get out. Wasn't he a regular on the Carol Burnett show? Why do I think he was on the Carol Burnett show? On a, I just, maybe I'm confusing him with it, but I thought it was Fred Willard. On the, I don't know. The I don't know. I think there were four of them, and there was some. Yeah. Um, yeah, Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman was one of them. Really, I don't remember seeing him on on the uh, Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett, yeah, it was yeah. Harvey Harvey Corman, Fred Willard, um, and uh, oh, the singer, um, uh, oh, the lady. Why can't I think? Of, I'll think of Vicky Lawrence. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? The nice the nice thing is, this is a one way show. There's no dial in number. And no one's going to challenge anything I'm saying right now. Yeah, but there's that email. <laughs> Which is what? What is the email? I know mine happens to be jay at valley1049.org. What's yours, Heather? Heather.stark at valley1049.org. But remember, all complaints go to Jay. Just give me the compliment. <laughs> That's how it works. Okay. Um, let's see. How about, let's do some more uh, performers here. How about Little Richard? Little Richard, yeah, wow, it, it's uh, in the fifties, early sixties, big time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another actor, Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller from Stiller and Mira. Yeah. Uh, ben Stiller's yeah. dad. Their son now is middle aged, and he's quite the actor. Yeah. Um, ben Stiller. Um, I had the uh, uh, one of when I was first starting out in in uh, media. I had the great privilege of interviewing uh, Jerry Stiller and his wife um, and Mira. Really pleasant people. Very very pleasant, lovely people. Not, I, I like that. Not at all like the character he played on Seinfeld, where he played George Costanza's dad. That was uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty ornery. <laughs> You know what I like about some of these people, though, is, you know, some of these people that we've talked about, they were kind of like they flared, they shine, shone, and then they kind of disappeared. 
But some of them, like Jerry Stiller, I mean, they managed to adapt and recreate throughout an entire lifetime. And you got to give people props who can do that. For sure. Okay, how about Ken Osmond? Ken Osborne, he was the he was Eddie Haskell. Eddie Haskell on Leave It to Beaver. He was the he was the 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 smarmy wise wise guy. Oh yes, Mister Cleaver, anything you want, yeah. Mister. Oh, Mrs. Cleaver, aren't you looking lovely tonight? Isn't that yeah. a beautiful dress, Mrs. Cleaver? I haven't seen a house coat like that before, Mrs. Cleaver. Is that new? <laughs> Boy, you must have committed all those to memory. <laughs> well, in all fairness, Jay, Mrs. Cleaver always wore the dress with the full skirt and the she skirt did. of pearl. She, she was vacuum. She did. She always, she always had a, uh, she always had a pressed apron on. I didn't notice it was pressed, but yeah, 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 she did. She did. Yeah. Well, how about, gosh, Charlie Daniels? Charlie Daniels, yeah, right. Devil went down to Georgia and recently stole an election. I'm sorry. That was <laughs> now, come on. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Okay. How about Wilford Brimley? Wilford Brimley. That's exactly right. That was uh, Quaker Oats. I think Quaker Oats, but he was also just a great, great actor in uh, so many I different think he did a lot of Little Western. House. Was it Little House on the Prairie? Uh, or was it, no, it wasn't Little House. Was it Little House on the Prairie? Or was it, uh, or was it the, uh, what's, what was the one with, um, Try to remember what was the Western one that he was in all the time. I either want to say that or it was one of those others that were like that. <laughs> I think been. he was in several Westerns. I think he was kind of a, yeah, he was, he was the old cranky guy in most of the Westerns yeah. back in the day. Yeah. But uh, he always had that, that again, that fatherly comfortable kind of uh, thing. How about, and this one surprised me because I didn't know she was quite honestly that she was still alive. Olivia de Havilland. Wow, gone with the wind. She died this year at age 104. Oh, that's something. Amazing. What a life she's had. Um, and then, of course, we have to mention Regis Philbin. Yeah. You know, yeah. He had quite the, he was quite the personality as well, you know. So, and the, the final one on my list, Jay, is one that we absolutely cannot forget, and that's Herman Cain. Very oh, proud. Just recently, uh, just recently died from uh, COVID. Yeah. Shortly yeah. after attending a, a, a Donald Trump uh, political rally, although I'm not sure the two are related. <laughs> well, uh, it, you know, I mean, who knows where anybody was exposed to that. But, yeah, it, it just he had quite a career, both as a businessman and as a politician. He ran for president, didn't he? He did. He was uh, he didn't he, he lost the nomination. He was one of the uh, 17 or 18 that were on the. Uh, on the uh, stage at one time with Donald Trump back way back when he back then mm -hmm. his his thing was uh, was nine 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 or something like that or it was a just tax thing it was like it was like nine percent nine percent nine percent or something like that I don't think that's what it was but it was yeah. it was some triple thing that was known for for his tax uh, plan that he wanted to get by the way Wilford Brinfey just to close that loop was the Waltons he was the grandpa oh. grandpa on the Waltons. I just yeah. want to make sure that I would that I cleaned up that mistake by saying a uh, little house on the prairie. Oh, okay. But and he, well, was, he was mostly famous for uh, for commercials for many many years for Quaker Oats. Yeah. So yeah. I do remember. So anyway, sorry about that. Well, I'm, I've learned a lot during this conversation, Jay. Mostly <laughs> that we must have watched a lot of TV. You <laughs> <laughs> must have been parked in front of that TV a lot when you were growing up. <laughs> Probably true. Probably true. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's, sad. it's sad, but you know what? It it is. It's a good reminder when all these famous people die. It's a reminder number one that we all will be there someday. So make make uh, the most of your time here. Because mm -hmm. once you're gone, you'll have people talk about you, but you won't be able to do much about it. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't do much about it now, Jay. I got news uh, for you. That's true. But but also but but also most of these people, you know, they they're famous in their own right for what they did, but when they weren't doing what they did, they were just like all the rest of us. You know, they got up in the morning. Uh, they, you know, got dressed, they went to work, and that's what all of us do. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's easy for those of us uh, who don't know these people other than their persona that we see in films or in the news, 
uh, to assume that somehow or other their lives are so completely different or worry-free or, you know, somehow easier um, than ours. And people are just people and yeah. lives are just lives. You know, some of them are easier at different times. Some of them are harder at different times. And you just have, people are people. Life is life. And I appreciate your advice. That being said, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about something more cheerful than the people we lost in 2020. All right. So that's coming up right after that. You're listening to Valley Talk with me, Heather Stark and Jay Fisk right here on Valley 104.9 FM. This is Dr. Tom Shives. And I'm Tracy McRae. Get the latest health and medical news each week on Mayo Clinic Radio, airing Sunday at noon on Valley 104.9 KAPY-FM. And catch the Mayo Clinic Health Minute at 8.20 a.m. and 5.20 p.m. each weekday. Three Women, Three Ways, the weekly talk show right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Tune in Sundays at 11 a.m. and join me, Heather Stark, for the conversations, the research, the authors, and the experts as we talk about the issues that shape our experiences. Three Women, Three Ways, for the information you need to hear and want to listen to. Three Women, Three Ways, Sundays at 11 a.m. right here on Valley 104.9. Remember to take the journey on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. to midnight with Musical Star Streams, hosted by Forrest. Each week brings a new two-hour episode of Exotic Electronica. It follows Radio Masterpieces, which airs at 9 p.m. on Valley 104.9, your community station. And thanks for listening to Valley 104.9. Radio Survivors, our weekly show where we feature stories and interviews on community radio, radio history, podcasting, low-power FM, college radio, and more. Radio Survive on Valley 104.9 FM, 6 to 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark. With me is Jay Fisk. We've been playing uh, kind of a, a trivia game here in the first segment where we talked about some of the celebrities and sports figures and politicians who passed away in 2020. And uh, that's always a, a kind of a, a, a sobering way to wrap up the year. But I think we also need to wrap up this year in other ways, Jay. Uh, certainly, it's been a challenging year in many ways. Um, but, you know, my thing is, is that I've heard from so many people, oh, this is the worst year ever, the worst year. I, I heard somebody today who was in his 60s saying, this is the worst year I can ever remember. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> this is the worst it's ever been for you? Because I think that, yeah, it's been kind of a grueling year. But honestly, when you look at all the potential for war and pestilence and you know all this stuff in the world if this is the worst we ever have to get through i think we're doing okay i agree i agree there was a lot of mm-hmm. uh you know there's a lot of an adaptation that had to occur yeah um you know and it certainly wasn't pleasant necessarily but there's always good that comes out mm-hmm. um i believe and I think good will come out of 2020. I think we'll look, we'll reflect back on 2020, not with all, I don't necessarily think we'll look back on it with fondness, but I think we'll look back on it as the year that a shift in many things, a positive shift in many things occurred. People became very creative. I mean, there were a lot of things that, that were very, very bad, but people had to adapt and we showed that we can adapt, you know, and uh, well, that's a really bad thing. What- I want to talk a little bit more about some of the ways you were talking about on how we adapted and some of the new things that have come out and um, different ways that we are coping and ways that are going to change us forever. Um, Especially I think here in the Valley, there are ways that are, there's going to be changes that are coming here um, and there's just not going to be going back. Um, But before we talk about that, I want to talk to you um, personally about fundraising because I, think that we've had a lot of talk about nonprofits and raising money and during this time of COVID and how challenging it's been. But I've also seen some stories where, wow, people are really coming forward. People are really jumping up and doing their bits. Can you share some stuff that you have experienced or heard about um, that exemplifies that? Well, of course, fundraising is my business. And up until March of this year, I should say last year, 2020, um, 
we pretty much did all of our fundraising in a room. You know, we, we did what we call galas. We got uh, two, three, four, 500, 600, 800 people in a room. And um, we had a party and they drank wine and they ate great food and they were, they luxuriated in, uh, in, in uh, just a little bit of splendor and they danced to the band and they had all kinds of great, and they raised money for the charity. Uh, once the pandemic hit, those very same charities had to be creative and find a new way to raise money. And we shifted gears to virtual events where people could sit at home. And um, there was a lot of concern. Would people actually still support the charities? I'm pleased to report that nearly all of the <clears throat> nonprofits that I've worked with didn't really miss a beat in terms of how much money they raised by having to shift from in-room galas to virtual events. Uh, primarily because of the money they saved because the expenses went down. You know, there's always a cause and effect. You put five, 600 people in a room, you're going to probably spend, you know, $30,000, $40,000 on expenses for the meals and decorations and, you know, video equipment and sound and all the other things that go into that. If you put together a virtual event and have people sit in their own living room and, and watch an event in their own living room, and they're going to eat their own meal that they're going to prepare, um, you don't have to set up video equipment. You don't have to set up sound equipment. You don't have to set up staging. You don't have to decorate. You don't have to rent tables. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Don't even have to have people get dressed up and go pay for valet parking. Uh, so mm -hmm. although their, their gross revenue might be down by going virtual, we're finding that their net revenue, the amount they actually get to spend for their selected cause is going up. And that's a, that's a, a happy, uh, outcome from a, of an un, you know unexpected and certainly not planned uh, uh, circumstance, and and I think that's a good thing, and that shows a little adaptation. Yeah, but that requires yeah, as you were saying, ad adaptation. Yeah. Um, and it was always it was just kind of a, my impression anyway is that it was just kind of by the seat of everybody's pants that when this started, they're going, oh my gosh, we can't do this, da da da, da. and then light bulbs started going off, and it was well maybe we can. Yeah. Um, but what, what do you think was the turnaround time on that? I mean, from the time COVID hit and people realized, wait a minute, this is going to be more than a couple of weeks. There goes well, the plans for the auction. There goes I, the plans. I can tell you, we turned, we turned clients around in, in a couple of weeks. I mean, we had events planned for, for first week in April, uh, with 700 people in the ballroom at the Weston and they kept the same date, second week in April. And netted the same amount they would have made if they put 700 people at the Weston. They saved $90,000. One particular client saved $90,000 on expenses. Um, so their gross was down a little bit, but they still, they, they netted more than they would have if they had gone ahead with their event at, at the Weston. But the, the tools have been evolving. The thing that's interesting is back, back in April, um, it was really just brute strength. You know, it was, it was appealing to the, to the supporters, you know, you got to help us out. We didn't plan this pandemic. It just happened on us. And there was a little bit of guilt trip going on, you know, and okay, well, I got to do whatever I can. Let's all pull together. Let's see if we can help our favorite charity. But as we went many months into 2020, the audiences started demanding a little bit more for their money. They, they wanted something a little more special than just, okay, I'm just going to sit in my living room and I'm going to send you money when you ask for it. So the charities started getting creative. And one particular the one that I worked with came up with this concept called Gala in a Box, which I thought was incredibly uh, clever. They, uh, their event was, uh, was supposed to be in April. We postponed it to the first week of June. So we postponed about five weeks. But they were selling Gala in a Box. And it was a dinner for two that would be delivered to them one hour before airtime on the virtual event. And uh, they sold 150 of them at 85 bucks a piece. Uh, so they had 300 people that they knew would be watching because their their meal to watch their, was delivered an hour before showtime. And what they did very creatively, they asked as part of the ordering process, do you have kids in the house? If so, what ages? And they included in the gala in the box games, age appropriate games for the kids in the house so the kids could go off to another room and play and not disturb the parents while they were watching the event. And, oh that, and that event made a, a, a ton of money. And now everybody all over the country 
that every time I talk to is uh, charity. They all want to do this gala in a box or, or fiesta in a box or, you know, dinner, you know, cook your own meal in a box or some variation of that. That's sort of become the new thing now. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I, well, as you know, I had a little uh, to do the, uh, a couple months ago and uh, I did my own little homemade version of the gala in the box because I went around everybody's doorstep. I yep. made the hors d'oeuvres and everything and I just dropped them on their doorsteps. I could see though, where if you had that professionally done and you had, the, but delivery must've cost them a lot. Do you it have an, all, uh, volunteers. all done by volunteers. They had, uh, they had, uh, uh, they had volunteers all agree to deliver these meals all over. They had to be within, I think, 20 miles or something or 15 miles. But uh, they, they all they they all rallied and, and the volunteers, you know, stuffed them into their car. And now they they weren't hot meals. They were they were charcuterie boxes. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so it was cheese crackers, uh, you know, fresh fruit, uh, fresh fruits, dried fruits, nuts, uh, you know, meats. Uh, yeah, I always, you know, I, I think when I was the auctioneer, I joked that uh, leave it to the French to invent a word for cheese and crackers, you know, so that's basically all it was. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was the only, it was the only good joke I had that night. But anyway, uh, but you know, people are being creative. Another, another event, um, they wanted to make sure people stayed tuned in during the entire show. They didn't want people drifting in and out, you know, and getting, going off and checking emails and going out in the garage and working on projects and things like that. They want to make sure everybody stayed tuned in. So they included a bingo card in every meal box. And periodically throughout the hour show, they would call a bingo number. And uh, if you, if you got bingo, you won a prize. Uh, so that, that was kind of, kind of creative. So the only way you could, you know, get bingo and win a prize was if you watched the entire show. And uh, they made sure that the bingo cards were arranged in such a way that there were a lot of prizes given out. Um, then another one that, that I've got an event coming up this spring, they're going to do trivia and they're going to include uh, trivia questions for everybody. Uh, and if you get the trivia questions right, you go into a drawing to win a to win a uh, like a weekend getaway or something like that. Uh, so, again, it, it's all designed to keep people tuned in because, you know, when you have them in a ballroom, you have sort of a captive audience. They don't leave unless they're going to head down the hall to the bathroom or outside. You have a smoke or something. But when they're at home, there's a lot of distractions. There's a dog barking. There's a kids playing too loud, you know, on the, on, on the game in the, in the next room. You know, there's, there's a, oh, I got to get this project done. What about my email? My phone just buzzed. You know, I got to get a text message coming in. So they have a thousand distractions, none of which are positive. And so to keep people tuned in to watch the show, because after all, it's all about bidding on items and, you know, and asking for money and getting, you know, getting the donations. They're coming up with these game ideas so that if you tune out for five minutes, you're probably not going to win the game. So you sort of kind of captive the audience. I think, it's a, I think it's a great idea, but there's more creativity like that coming. And I think that one one client uh, did a, a, a version of Chopped, the the uh, you know the cooking show. They had a famous uh, chef, and people could order a chop box. The boxes were all delivered with the ingredients, and then during the hour show, the chef had them open their box and. Help and help them prepare their own meals. And when the show was over, they ate the meal. And so again, oh, wow. this, this is all something you can do. These are things you can do virtual and mm -hmm. put some creativity in. So, you know, although we had to shift gears and kind of go to the touchless event, if you will, mm -hmm. there, the, the creativity is constantly coming up with new ideas. The people out there are very, very smart. And of course, I, I just take their ideas and cross pollinate them. You know, I, I, I had a good idea from one client. I just tell another client about it. They think I'm a hero. You know, they don't know that I stole it from somebody else. Right. <laughs> but that, that I, I have an organization and um, they did, uh, it wasn't a fundraiser. It was a party, yeah. but it was actually quite fun. I mean, the, the organizer put together a, a um, treasure hunt. Oh yeah. The things that, things that you might have in your home and and everybody had to run and find their grocery coupon or their adult coloring book or their you know uh, uh advertising pen or whatever you know she just had a whole list of things and then you ran back to, as fast as you could because the first one back to the to the screen to the zoom, held, to the zoom call yeah. up in front of the screen right yep exactly yeah. and that was and then, uh, and then there was also a trivia thing with that, and um, and then afterwards she just sent around gift cards. Everybody got gift cards who won the trivia or who won the treasure hunt or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, it was quite it was quite fun. 
Um, my attempt at doing the Zoom party, I don't think was much fun, um, but uh, I probably I wasn't creative enough. But as far as the fundraising thing, I also have an organization that is doing a wine tasting. Apparently there's a winery in California yep. that will send around those little tiny bottles and you can, you know, you sign up and pay for the, the wine tasting and then that you go online and you sit there and taste it while the expert is explaining to you what bottle number one is and where it was grown and how much it costs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's not really great fun too. So, you know, people are really, I think what I'm seeing is people are being more generous. I, I mean, I not just with their money, but with their time as well. I've seen a lot of that. Um, and they're also, as you said, just getting really creative. Uh, especially with the socialization and the, um, you know, the whole uh, fundraising thing, because it's it does remain difficult. I mean, there are so many people who are hurting financially. There's a number of people who are not hurting financially, you know, hi, Jeff Bezos. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are hurting. And so, you know, I, I think that uh, for those people who are not hurting, it, it really has become a calling to do what they can to help, you know, in, in other areas. My big thing, and I'm going to have you address this too, since we're on the whole fundraising thing. My big thing is that a couple of years ago, I started realizing that there are so many charities that do wonderful work. They're great. I don't have any problem with them, except they're multi-million dollar organizations. Yeah. And my personal feelings are that whenever you have a huge bureaucracy, you don't have efficiency. Well, um, yeah, and I tend to now uh, look more toward local, yeah, small and local giving that I can directly give to rather than giving money to a multi-million dollar or organization based out of New York or Washington D.C. or something. You know, it's uh, it it I think it's a case uh, Heather of uh, of big fish, small pond, small fish, big pond. Uh, you know, if you take a pebble and you throw it in the middle of a pond, you see the ripple. But if you throw a boulder into an ocean, you never you, you never notice it. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that's uh, kind of what happens with the with the big nationals. They raise so mm -hmm. much money that if you give a hundred dollars, you think you're doing good, but your hundred dollars is such a is is so many decimal places to the right, you know, of what mm -hmm. they raise. That it just it doesn't do the good. You, you that hundred dollars could go a lot, uh, a lot further in your local community. And yeah. uh, you know we always talk about you know buy local to help the retailers buy local. I think the same thing goes in many cases with the charitable causes. You know just just give local, uh, give yeah. the local charitable causes. You know the, the so many of the big ones are tied in with major corporations. You know they have twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars sponsorships. And so, you know, as an individual donor, you're thinking, well, gosh, I really do care about cancer. I really do care about heart, heart disease. I do really care about juvenile diabetes and all these others. Um, but, you know, when you're competing against a corporation that says, uh, well, you know, we'll, get, we'll do one cent of, for every soda can we, we, uh, we sell, and it raises, you know, $10 million for them, um, that you wonder, what, do you, what can I really do to make a difference? And mm -hmm. so you're better off to spend that money locally, you know. Yeah. yeah. I love that thing. That's how I feel anyway. Well, Jay, we've talked about another segment and we didn't get to some of the things that I want to talk about, which is where are we going to go? Where do you think all of 2020 is leading us or has taken us for next year? So I want to pick your brain about that. Mm. But okay. we're going to we're going to take a little break first to give people a chance to get to those emails and complain about some of your comments. Yeah. <laughs> Heather, Heather Stark at Valley 104. And, uh, and Heather Stark. <laughs> Remember, all the come to Heather, all the complaints go to Jay. So we're going to take this break and then we're going to come back and we're going to end it on kind of a, a hopeful note here for what's kind of going to uh, come to us this year, Jay. So. That's going to be right here on Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark with guest Jay Fisk, and you are listening to Valley 104.9 FM. Join us for Northwest Phenomenon Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 as we cover topics from paranormal activity, conspiracy theories, 
and more. If you have a story you would like to share, email me, mario at northwestphenomenon.com. We'll see you Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9. Northwest Phenomenon. Hi, I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat. Maybe a straight jacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m. for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science. That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM. There are three good reasons why you want to listen to the Children's Hour. One is because it has nice music, and two is because there are kids in it, and three is because there's lots of good, nice stories that you might want to hear. Educational entertainment for the whole family. I love the Children's Hour. Kids Public Radio. Sundays at 10 a.m. on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark with Jay Fisk, our guest, and we are talking about kind of wrapping up 2021 and uh, talking about some of the ways we've adapted. But now I want to talk about how we're going to see 2021 different. Um, I know all of us are hoping that it's a year without COVID, that we have that handled uh, and taken care of before the year is out. Um, that's what the predictions say, but you know we'll see. Um, but some of these changes and adaptations that we've had to make, I think, are going to affect us. I know one of the things that people are talking about is the remote work. You know, are we ever really going to go back to people going into an office five days a week fighting traffic? I know I was reading um, a Redfin report today, Jay, uh -huh. and it says that, uh, Seattle, top 10, one of the top 10 uh, cities with residents looking to leave the city limits. Now, yep. it doesn't mean they're moving to Idaho. It means they're leaving the city limits and coming to places like Duval Incarnation and, uh, you know, uh, some of those areas. So we're going to see changes along those lines uh, for sure, uh, real estate market, et cetera. But what other changes um, do you see? Do you think we are ever going to go back to that five days a week in the office? Do you think that no. this no. remote is permanent? What do you, what do you think? I, I, no, I, I, I think the, the days of gathering everybody in one location to do their work um, has been proven that that's not necessary. And anytime you prove something's not necessary, you just you don't you don't do it just because of tradition. You know, biz, businesses make decisions based on business decision, you know, logic. Right. So if you're if you are paying uh, for. 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 square feet of office space, and you figured out that you could be paying for half that much by having a lot of your workforce work from home, um, you, you're, you can boost your profits pretty pretty quickly by downsizing your, your real estate cost. I think that's really what's gonna, what we're gonna find out of this is that many, many companies, obviously, you know, if you, if, if you're in the, if you're in the grocery store business, you're not going to be able to have people work from home and bag groceries, right? You know, and stock shelves. But so the retailers are kind of stuck. But if you're in a a business that people can work remotely, uh, I think the days of gathering them all together just to have them all together are probably, uh, you know, we're not going to go back to that. I think Microsoft has already announced. Microsoft has one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, let me interrupt you for a moment because you talked about you know obviously if you're in a grocery store you can't have you know life employees but look at what's happened with amazon with their i forget what they're calling their markets but where you just carry your charge card in your pocket and you go in the yeah. store you pick up what you want and leave the door and yeah. bam your charge card is is um, automatically dinged so we are uh, you know inventing ways to not have those store clerks and you know oh, those, oh. Those, Oh, for sure, for sure, but I but I think that the big the big one are going to be the companies that are primarily having people at desks. So like for example, uh, someone's doing reservations for Alaska Airlines. They don't need to go to a building uh, right. in Federal Way, uh, you know, and and sit there to answer the phone to take reservations. They can sit in a room at their house, and the phone rings, and they can take reservations. You know, so 
Um, my company, uh, as an example, we you you may recall that we were acquired during the pandemic, which is another story all to itself. How do you sell a company during a pandemic? But we did it. Um, but we have the, the company that that acquired us has an office in uh, Fort Lauderdale, um, Palo Alto, Charleston, New York, uh, Denver, Colorado, Phoenix, Arizona, and now Bellevue. Uh, and we have in our company we have someone who now works uh, in in Reno that works for our company, but he's based in Reno. So we are a completely distributed virtual company and um, out of necessity, and it works just fine. We don't need to have, we have 39 employees. We don't need 39 employees all in Bellevue. We have 39 employees scattered across the country, uh, and they're all working fine. We do it with GoToMeeting. We do it with Zoom calls and that sort of thing. Um, and I just think a lot of companies are going to go that way. I think Microsoft has already said, and I believe uh, several others have already, Google and others have already said, that this working from home has worked out so well, they're, they're not going to recall people, very many people, back to their buildings. It makes me wonder why we have all these buildings being built in the Microsoft campus. They're going to be built and they're going to be empty. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And I know, didn't Amazon build a big building? Of course, they've had their, their little to-do with Seattle who wants to tax them out of existence. But um, they had that big building that they built, and now I think they're restructuring and moving a lot of their employees yeah. into Bellevue um, and remotely. So I don't know. It's a big change. Was Obviously, going to work is a huge change, but I'm also seeing predictions that medicine has changed. I mean, did you ever have remote doctor's visits before? Unfortunately, I had to have my annual physical uh, by telemedicine uh, in August, and I hated it. I mean, it, yeah. to me, I mean, I, I could have I done it myself. I could have just gone on the internet and read off the questions and answered the questions. I didn't need the doctor. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's one of those things that I'm not going to want to see um, go away. I think we do want to get face to face with a doctor. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think the doctor can look at you through a camera and tell what's wrong with you. They have to see your, the color of your skin. They have to be able to, you know, take your pulse and listen to your heart. And, uh, you know, uh, there are just some things you have to have hands on. Yeah. Um, so I, I I but I think there are a lot of businesses, though, that will be able to adapt. Yeah. Well, we see a new business that's come up just in the last couple months, which, you know, hello, uh, harkens back to when I was a child and doctors would still do house calls. Yeah. And it's a whole company that will come to your house as long as you don't have, you know, some major horrible illness. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're staying safe, but they are. And that's, you know, that's just come up. Um, never before have I seen a, a whole company that specializes in, you know, coming to your house for uh, medical stuff, but that, that coming up, who knows whether it'll last the whole year or whether it'll be an ongoing concern. The other thing that I think this is triggering is think about this. I'm, I'm actually going to a, a meeting next week where there's a, a representative from American Women in Science who's going, you might want to attend that, by the way. Um, the uh, woman is going to explain and talk about going from, instead of 12 years, from, from disease to vaccine, 12 months from yeah. disease to vaccine. Yeah. And all of the biotech companies, they're, you know, economically, they're just surging, their values are high, and they have just been kicked into high gear, not just for the pandemic, but also for oncology and rare diseases and things. Yeah. So that's not talked about a lot, but I've been reading a lot about it. So I think we're going to see that as an ongoing uh, outcropping of this whole thing. I had an interesting one uh, a few days ago. Uh, I found a place online where you uh, fill out a form of, uh, about your car, and when you know we put the VIN number in there or your license plate number, so they look up your car, look up your service record, and all that. You list which services you want done on your car, and then they come out to your house and they do all the service work at your house on your car. They'll do brakes. They'll do tune up. They'll do oil changes. Uh, they'll re they'll do uh, electrical repair. Uh, they'll, they'll, you know, any, any work that you would normally take it to a mechanic to do, the mechanic will come to your house and do it at your house. And they even give you a quote on it online. You, you, you fill out the form. 
And you, because they know the kind of car and you tell them what you're looking for done, they send you back an email saying, this is what it's going to cost. And uh, can we schedule the appointment? You schedule the appointment, they show up at your door and they fix your car in your driveway. I thought that was kind of interesting. No kidding. Yeah. But think about this. All of these things keep separating us. Yeah, they do. I, that's the part I don't like. I, that's exactly the part I don't like is I don't like this co so-called social distancing. To me, it's anti-social distancing. You know what I mean? There's nothing social about being away from people. Um, well, and you've also, oh, you've already got a generation that you know the 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 cell phone generation. I'm talking about the ones that are younger than than the millennials. Yeah. Um, you know where they don't take their fingers, their thumbs off of their phones. I mean, they their world is in their telephone, uh, not even their computer, their telephone. And um, you know they're so separated, and they think that sending a text or making a tweet, which is I forget how many characters you're allowed to have on a tweet, but it's minimal. Yeah. Um, and they think that that's true communication. But then, you know, all the studies about loneliness and depression right. show they're higher and higher and higher those numbers. Yeah, there is um, a, there's a cause and effect there. I mean, I think some of these teenagers they'll they'll sit in the same room and text to each other. Yes, in the same room. It's same in the same room. I've been in talk to each other. Yes, I've been in restaurants where they're texting each other as they're sitting next to each other in a restaurant. I know it's crazy. It, it's like wow. Yeah, you know? that that's that's the the downside. That's the downside. But you know what? We we also have learned over this this last year that you can be very creative um, using existing materials. You know, remember MacGyver? Remember the TV show MacGyver? You know, he would always figure out a way to solve a problem you know you give, give them a give them a a, a toothpick a, a, a paper clip you know and a piece of cellophane you know and he could figure out a way to get into a car and hunt, hunt, hunt. yeah right well yeah. i mean we had a lot of macgyvering going on this last year i mean march 1st uh vodka distillers were making vodka which i guess is what vodka distillers are supposed to do march 31st they're making hand sanitizer for god's sakes you know, whoever thought that you could that you could go from making vodka to hand sanitizer, aerospace companies, you know, were making parts for for jet airplanes. Uh, in March March first on March thirty first, they're making ventilators. Uh, you know, uh, the, the people that make plexiglass for display cases suddenly became the 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 bio barrier between a clerk and a store and the customer as a as a giant uh, sneeze screen. You know, I mean, those plexiglass manufacturers, I'm sure never even imagined that they would be design, designing things to keep customers from sneezing on on uh, on, on clerks. Um, you know, I mean, well, the, the creativity out there was was amazing this last year. Well, then look at masks. I mean, when the pandemic started, nobody had masks. I mean, right. medical people had the disposable ones. Now, good heavens, you you, you Google masks and you get you know eighty five thousand hits and you can buy them anywhere from designer things for you know eighty five dollars a mask to you know um a home uh, make your kits i've even seen uh instructions for how to fold a mask without sewing and make it yeah. you know <laughs> you know i mean it's you, just can buy, you can buy designer masks now you know? yeah i just said eighty five dollars i saw yeah. one that was a designer mask yeah um really? it's not those things i mean i don't know whether you've thought about this but it's really changed the food industry. Apparently, um, you know, we were on trend or on track for getting more and more home delivery, et cetera. But now that has just boomed and the curbside pickup, which we didn't have before, the home delivery, you know, has continued. But the whole idea of boxes, we were talking about this when we were talking about the uh, charitable events, fundraising events, but the delivery boxes, everything is in a box now. Right. Whether it's education materials for your kid or whether it's uh, supplies for making a meal or I mean, everything is in a kit now that you can have delivered in a cardboard box. And one of the things that the uh, industry consumer reports uh, has reported is that consumers are going online more frequently now looking for inspiration for cooking meat and poultry. There's a higher 55% uh, of consumers are ordering meat online now really? that they didn't order. Uh -huh. um, and they'll do that from a local grocery store, but also from the big Omaha steaks and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And um, 
the the uh, in September, one third of consumers reported that they used an online service as their primary method to purchase protein, and that they will continue to do so after the pandemic. Wow. Okay. So, and one other thing with that is that they've also increased the practice of freezing meat for future use. That's from uh, Midden Marketing uh, COVID nineteen research study. So I think, and and I know in the in the spring when I was ordering seeds for my garden, oh my gosh, they were out of seeds. People apparently were growing gardens. I don't know how successful they were. Um, when it was time to do canning, you couldn't find a canning jar. You know, so people, you know, the whole food thing, I wonder if they will continue, um, you know, focusing more on handmade and homemade and preserving and freezing and all that after COVID's over. Um, because I think maybe a whole generation has found out it's kind of fun sometimes to make your own pickles. You know, it's kind of kind of fun to make your own jelly or jam or grow your own peaches or you know something like that. Well, the one thing that I am missing is the rest of the restaurants. I miss the socialization of restaurants. You know, uh, I I don't like having to sit outdoors in uh, forty degree weather with a propane heater, uh, you know, uh, next to my table to keep me sort of semi uh, warm. Just to eat, yeah. just to eat a meal. I want to get us back in the restaurants. The, I feel really bad for the the restaurant industry. Probably more than any other business, is the uh, industry is the one that's been devastated by all of this. And um, they're trying their best to adapt. They're trying to you know do it with take it you know take out curb, curbside pickup and all that. But we really do need to find a way to get people back inside the restaurants for their sake, but also for our social socialization's sake. You know, isolation yeah. is 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 not good when it's permanent. You know, yeah. we've, we've got a occasional isolation is good to regroup, but we've got to get people back inter, interacting with each other. We've even invented a new way to greet people. We no longer shake hands anymore. Now we bump elbows. For gosh sakes, you know, oh, I, haven't, I'm you haven't seen the eye hug. It's when you, you look over your mask and lower your glasses. If you're wearing glasses, lower your glasses, look over your mask, and do real fast blink, 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 blink. Oh, good. That's not good Lord. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm going to draw the line there. No, I want to get back to where you shake people's hands, where you give them a hug, you know, Absolutely. where you look Absolutely. in the eye. I want to see people's smiles again. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, on my, yeah. Show, on my show that I do on, on Sunday, um, actually, I think I'm on right before Valley Talk, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always start the show off by reminding people to wear their mask because I remind people that that you know that every time you breathe in, somebody else you know breathes out and so forth. So, yeah. But uh, oh. that is uh, that, that is something I really want to see people smile again. That's it. I just want to see them yeah. smile. Yeah. And I think we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So, well, we've wrapped up, you know, the people that are gone in 2020, the, the you know, the, the year that we had in 2020, somebody that I, and, and hopefully the year that we're going to have in 2021 and, and as we go ahead, and I'm optimistic, I think it's going to be good. Somehow or other, human beings always figure out a way um, to, to do what we have to do. Uh, and to make good lives, but I, I would like to wrap it up, Jay, because I heard somebody say this the other the other day, and I think it's so true. Now, for the first time, we can really look back and say, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, very good. Isn't that good? Very good. And on that note, I think it's time for us to call a halt to uh, Valley Talk for this week. Thank you so much for joining me, Jay. And I hope you'll join me intermittently as we go along. And of course, we'll always listen to your show on Sunday afternoons, just as we listen to Valen talk. And uh, thank you for joining us. And we will be back again on Sunday on uh, Valley Talk on Valley 104.9 FM. Local news, local info, Valley 104.9 FM. 
Keeping track of giving back in the Valley is the show that spotlights nonprofit organizations, over 70 of them as a matter of fact, that help all of us who live, work, and play right here in our wonderful Snoqualmie Valley. My name is Jay Fisk. I hope you'll join me every Sunday evening where we explore what these great nonprofits do for all of us who live, work, and play right here in our Valley. Join me Sunday evening at 5.30 and again Monday evening at 6.30 on Valley 104.9 FM, your voice of the Valley. Thank you.